DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. What will happen in the 9 a.m. hour? In the 8 a.m. hour, Daniel Jones got Eli Manning's job as the starting quarterback of the New York Giants. You're just talking about Eli yesterday, PK. Yep. Could see it coming. It was inevitable. They're 0-2, and they don't really have the talent, and then looks like there's two good teams at the top of that division. And he's 38. And he's 38, so go to the future. That's what the Giants did. It's now. See if Eli demands a trade or not. He's got a no-trade clause, so he's got that going for him. Apparently he's got several young kids and settled in New Jersey, so he may just stay there and ride it out. Who knows, the way the NFL goes, Daniel Jones could get hurt and he could be the starter again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Got a poll question up. ESPN Plus. They've got the Toledo-BYU game coming up in a couple weeks. Would you pay for it? Go get ESPN Plus just to see the game. Add one more viewing option. Streaming only. Got the yeses. Got the noes. Got the I already have it's. And the what's in ESPN Plus. The leader with 58% of the vote. No. There is a seven-day free trial, folks. And? Yeah, the problem that I have with this is the older folk who may not be up to speed with that or in some type of home and whatnot, and they really build their days around being able to watch games. Why can't the games be more accessible? Yeah. Right. I remember telling you the story when the dumb mountain was on, but the BYU and Utah played on a mountain. Yeah. And then Not was, in the afternoon anymore. The neighbor's wife, or no, the neighbor's uh, mother passed. And so the dad that weekend wanted to watch the game, and it wasn't on. It's like, wait a second here. You know? So it's those types of people who just can't. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, right. yeah, and I got somebody here ripping me. Oh, you're this, you're that. Yeah, yeah, right. Because you're 35 years old and it's no big deal. Because you think in your own little sphere and that's all you see. But and who's going to go hook yeah. up grandpa who's right. 78? Right. Whatever it might be. Yeah. Or is in some place and they don't have it. You know, and so you just you look through your own and then you you just call up other people names. I mean, I, I get that. You're young and immature and stupid, so shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, PK? <laughs> or is your work here done? Well, 58% of the people say, no, they're not going to pay for it. 21% say, yeah, they're going to do it. 15% already have it. And 5% for what's in ESPN+. Plus. We've got almost 400 votes. 15%, only 15%, huh? Already have it. Yeah, That's not very many. No, it's not. So it's getting going. But they'll invest in it. And back in the day, they launched ESPN2. Do we really need a second all-sports station? And now look how many sports stations we have. You and I have more all-sports stations available to us now than we had TV channels when we were kids. It's off the charts. Oh, and you've got a big screen. Well, not anymore. It's medium-sized now. It's big back in the day. You have shrinkage? Past... The 80-inch TVs came along, and I'm not going to use pronouns because the more pronouns I use, the crazier you will go. Serve up a pronoun, DJ. I can make comedy out of that. What do you mean you don't have a big screen anymore? You know what I mean. 
Once a big screen, always a big screen. Yep. I don't really nope. like watching video on nope. my phone. I do nope. it. Nope. Uh, nope. It's, nope. it's small. It's a convenient thing when you're Yocular not lizard. around the TV. But I don't watch video on my phone when I'm at home. I turn on the TV. I got a big TV. I bet you now do. when you have <laughs> uh, compensation. I got a big TV. Why watch Listen TV you. on a four-inch phone when you can watch on a 54-inch TV? Hoity-toity over here. Nah, I need an 80-inch TV now to be a big deal. Paycheck is why I live in Utah. Did you have to tell us you have a big TV? Yeah. What, how braggadocio was that? Not very. I Lots would of never people say anything like See, me being oh, so humble. Whatever. whatever. I'm t- I never compare the size of TV screens. That's not true. <laughs> Simply not true. Yuck, like you do. Yuck, quit beating up the table in there. We can hear that through the wall. Yuck's so in there. Just bam, bam. <laughs> Doesn't your hand hurt after that? You're going to mess up your golf swing. Well, How are you going to grip a club? Jeez. You're just bragging about the size of your TV. Who does that? <laughs> You're really a pain in the ass. You know that, right? I'm not needed here. I just want to clear. Tell us that you have a big TV. Because you were on the other side of the streaming debate. In those days, you wanted me to watch something on my phone, and you were calling me old, like that guy just called you old, and then you told him he was immature and he should shut up. PK, you complete me. That's why you (laughs) decided you need to tell us you had a big screen TV? I mean, that's a long way to go. I took you seriously. I lost it three times and then came back once. I took you seriously when I shouldn't have. That's probably where that all went wrong. I've got a big TV. Wow, (laughs) la-di-da. Bored with all the topics we have available today? I, as a humble guy, just have a regular, you know, 32-incher. How have you built this this bogus image of being the guy next door? Very carefully. (laughs) Yeah. So I never got into the uniform debate because it's black and white in my house. (laughs) If there's a few games on, I can live with it. But if there's going to be... Half, and then I go back and forth. How many services can I get? That's the problem. Is the games get spread out, and there's nowhere to go to get them all. And you have to get multiple services to see what you want. And you end up, A, it's a huge waste of time and just headache. B, you end up spending a ton of money on all this stuff. Well, I no. Most people put or that you have to a. okay or you have okay both <laughs> those things or or C which I think is where a lot of people are going is well, I'm just going to give that up whatever that is I'm not going to watch you know and it, it's trending towards streaming and it'll happen slowly but I didn't know there was a day the Rose Bowl was going to be on cable I didn't know that was coming yeah but see, and there we are I don't really see that as cable. Well, okay, but it is. But 99% of the people have cable, so it's not unusual. It's not unusual, but it's not 99%. This is taking it another step. It is. It is. And I don't but think people are going to They got go, everyone go switched over to cable. Not everyone, but 80 to 85% of America switched over to cable and satellite. And now they're switching us over to streaming. See, I don't, I don't think Corporate America. I, don't, I, I just don't, I don't see where they're going to switch us to streaming. 
They'll they'll switch low some, level games. Some people uh, want that. Uh, there are cord cutters, and we've heard from them this morning. I'll see if I can find it. Uh, yeah, Alex here. Alex says, as a JS fan base, we are dying for some sort of streaming option. I'm tired of having cable for AT and T, Sportsnet, and the Pac-12 network. If there's a streaming option for those, you bet I'd pay for it. But if you're asking if I just pay for Utah versus Idaho State, no, probably not. Okay, that's a streaming option in addition, not replacing, right? How so? What do you mean? Well, well you get jazz games on your phone. I think it would be replacing because I think Ooh, AT&T Sportsnet has an exclusive deal and is saying, no, you can't stream it or it would be streamed. I assume we can go you talk to... You can stream it. You have to have one of the other providers like a DirecTV now where you already have the DirecTV subscription, then you can stream it that way. So that's an addition, what you're saying. That's, that's the addition PK's talking about, I think, here. So I can so it's get, one more thing to pay for. I mean, well, I, it's, it, that DirecTV now is part of your DirecTV subscription. I can get jazz games on my phone? Correct. I can show you how to do it. You do it mobily. Because he has a DirecTV now? Well, if you have DirecTV, oh, yeah. yeah, he can access it. I mean, I'm always sitting in front of a television. So where Alex is jammed up here is he's got AT&T there's not a, Sportsnet. There's not a direct. So he can get Pac-12. Exactly. But now he doesn't have a streaming option. There's not a direct streaming option for Jazz games currently. There's You can't just purchase that alone. Well, how far away from that? Well, considering Andy uh, Larson had said two years ago that they were working on it and still hasn't happened, I'm guessing it's not happening in the near term. Yep. For me, it's about the cost. It's not necessarily the inconvenience. It's the cost. And so if I have to keep paying and paying, well, I don't want to do that. You're not alone. It's a long line of people right behind you. Yeah. There's, at some point, it just doesn't make sense for me. But I, I just don't see it moving away from what we now have... I consider, and I know it's not, but I still consider ESPN over the air. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> but I consider it. But I can see where they want to, and it'll, it'll take a long time to do, because you're right, cable and satellite have their hooks pretty deep into it, yeah. so it'll take a long time to do. I mean, contracts have to go, you know, and, and sometimes you may not have the leverage on the next deal to pry somebody away, but I can see where ESPN wants to switch everything to streaming, because that'll mean more money for them. I mean, right now, they're essentially partners with cable and satellite distributors, and those guys are getting their share. Like, why should we give you the share? Let's cut out the middleman. We'll take all okay, the money. Okay, well, then why wouldn't the leagues then just say, forget that, and we're just going to put because, them on our right, So we're going to eliminate right, you, because, too. Because right now, we are all too invested, and there's too much money tied up in cable and satellite. Right, but, but right, over everything time, is right to, now. Right. Yeah, but there was a day I didn't know that the NBA would put the Eastern and Western Conference Finals on cable. You know, and that was something cable worked on for a long time to build to the point where they had the leverage to get that. And then why don't they just own their own stations? And then, then the, you, you own everything. You, I don't need you. Get it, get out of my face. I don't need you. The NBA is invested in Turner. Yeah. Well, I, I realize it, but just have individual teams have their own thing then, and you don't, you don't do any. You just own everything. You know, at one point, I think that... Uh, the NFL might have been going down that road, and then Pete Rozelle stepped in and said, we're stronger if we all go together and <clears throat> create yeah, but, our own little monopoly. But that was then. Yeah. That was 50 years ago. 
So going forward, cut out every, you. You're don't give Jerry Jones any you're ideas. Putting some middleman in there. I don't Dallas, need you. Dallas Cowboy TV. I'll just have my own. Yeah, I'll have my own deal, and it'll be my games, my right. thing. And if you want to watch Cowboy games, you have to pay the Cowboy streaming service. Yeah. So why don't why, why wouldn't it go that way? That's why I don't see that it will go that way. Not for fifty years and. Yeah, I wonder how what, different it'll look in 15 pe- to 20. I, I would think quite a bit, but we're all speculating. As far as what? I mean, where can you go? Just Your big thing is streaming. That's all you got. Bob says Jazz Games are streaming on NBA single team for seventeen ninety nine a month this year. Yeah, I'm not going to pay that. But yeah. is that geofenced in Utah? Because normally that's how they keep you from getting it. And geofencing means if you live in Utah, you can't you. watch it. I understand that. I wouldn't pay that because I'm already paying. I'm not going to pay another See, you're, one. Yeah, exactly. You're already paying, so you're not going to pay additionally. Correct. Yeah. I got, I, I got four small TVs. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it right back around. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to let it go. All right, we got to go to break. Coming up, Christian Capel's going to join us. Washington Huskies writer for the Athletic. Washington coming to town. Play BYU this week. The Washington-Utah game, that's a ways out, isn't it? Isn't that November? First week of November. Yeah, first week of November. All right, we'll talk with Christian Cable about the Huskies next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. I got a big TV. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Odell Beckham Jr., a signature one-handed catch to set up a first and goal. Then he had an 89-yard catch and run. He had a big game as Cleveland blows out the New York Jets 23-3. Jets backup quarterback Trevor Simeon, who got the start because Sam Darnold has mono. Well, he got hurt, suffered an ankle injury, and the Jets had to turn to their third-string quarterback, former Logan High grad and former Washington State Cougar quarterback Luke Falk. He came in and finished the game. Major League Baseball, Marcelo Zuna homer. The Cardinals win 4-2 over the Nationals. The Cubs stay two games back by winning their fifth straight game to beat the Reds 8-2. The Brewers stay three games back by beating the Padres 5-1. It's a close race in the National League Central. Top of the Wire brought to you by Syringa Networks. Verizon customers, if you're recently notified that some of your telecommunication services will no longer be supported, contact Syringa Networks. Syringa is Utah's fastest-growing premier telecommunications provider. They have a full range of services. Call them today at 385-420-7881. That number again, 385-420-7881. That's Syringa Networks. Big Show, Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. You ready? You guys ready? So here's the question. The Utes in the Pac-12 have never won at the Coliseum. Will they mentally be there? Physically, I think they're better. So will there be a slip betwixt the lip and the cup? I don't think so. That historically doesn't happen often with Coach Witt and Utah teams. I think they're going to be ready to go. Well, if they are, they'll win. They should. You know, we all had a chance to study that USC team. The conclusions I draw is Stanford was nowhere near as good as I thought they were. USC is not as good as I thought it was. And the Utes are every bit as good as I thought they were. You know, it's a long season. We'll see how it plays out, but that's where we are right now. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, in Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. Christian Capel, Washington Huskies writer for The Athletic, is going to join us here in a moment. Washington, you know what, you know what to make of these guys, having watched that bizarro loss to Cal at home, 20-19, to last second field goal in the game that ended at 1.30 in the morning? Bizarro world. Yeah, two thirty our time. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly, but you know, I didn't think they would be a top of the line. So maybe to a lower level, what you said about the Utes a couple of years ago. What? Well, the Utes had had their nine, ten, and nine win seasons, but they sent a lot of guys off to the NFL, and they went seven and six. And Washington's won two of the last three conference titles. But they lost nine of their eleven starters on defense. They lost a four year quarterback on offense. They lost an NFL. Running back, that's a lot of moving parts to replace all at one time. And Washington's got a stronger brand name, and Chris Peters is, Peterson is an awesome coach who has reloaded multiple times. Is he better than Kyle Whittingham? <sighs> yeah. I mean, he's got the head-to-head record. He is, huh? Yeah. He's got the two conference titles. Kyle doesn't have any in the Pac-12. Chris has the two in the Pac-12. Correct. What's the head-to-head record? I don't know. I think it's something like they won one up there, didn't they? Yeah, they they won one. Seattle. And Chris had how many wins when he was at Boise? Two. I mean, See, that's the, the reason why I asked that because once. if you are of that level, you're not expected to reload and drop all the way down to seven. And it may not drop all the way down to seven or eight, but you know, nine and three would be different than what they've done. You know, as opposed to them rolling at eleven and one. Christian Capel joins us, Washington Huskies writer for the Athletic. He's on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Christian, good morning. Hey, how are you guys doing? We're doing well. So Washington is three games into the season, and they beat Eastern Washington, blew them out like they were supposed to, and they blew out Hawaii at home like they were supposed to, but they lost to Cal, although that was a bizarro game with a long delay and went well past midnight and until 1.30 in the morning Pacific time. So what do you really know about Washington? How much is this a rebuilding year, and how much have they reloaded, and they're going to be a major factor in the conference race? I think it's a, it's a rare sort of rebuilding year where – I still wouldn't rule out the possibility of them winning the Pac-12 North and competing for a, a conference championship. And what I mean when I say that is they're rebuilding in the sense that they have a new starting quarterback and they lost their all-time leading rusher at tailback and they lost nine defensive starters and included among that is a bunch of guys who were taken in the NFL draft. But the, the players who are replacing all those guys are really, really talented who – um, coaches have felt really, really good about. It's just that they're relying on them to be big-time players at, at the Pac-12 level for the first time and be full-time starters for the first time and, and all those sorts of things. So I think that the coaching staff and, and fans feel really good about where the talent level is at on this team. Um, but you're seeing, uh, especially in that Cal game, that it's it's going to take a minute for some of that some of that to, those new starters to gel on the defensive side maybe figure out which of those young guys are going to be able to contribute the most right away right now, which of their sort of young playmakers offensively need to be on the field and need to be given more opportunities. So um, it's, it does feel a little bit like a rebuilding year just because, you know, I don't don't think anyone ever felt like this was truly a a playoff contender type team this season. 
Um, but I still think that there's optimism that they can compete for a conference championship. One of the weapons I see on offense is the tight end, Hunter Bryant. He's been having injuries in his college career, but so far it looks to be pretty good. He's a big-time player. How much do you think they're going to increase their production from him as the season goes on? Yeah, this is um, this is the best that, that he's probably ever looked in terms of like stringing together consecutive games of, of really solid performances. Um, you know, you could tell Jacob Easton really looks to him. I think he's probably their their most dynamic pass catcher right now. Um, you know, he's it's interesting. Uh, he's uh, he's only six two, so you don't think of him as being like this big, massive player at the tight end position compared to some of the guys they put in the NFL recently. But he's by far their their best pass catcher they've had at that position since Austin Safarian Jenkins. So um, he's. Uh, He's a threat, you know. He's he's one of the reasons I think, combined with with Jacob Eason's arm strength and, and sort of his pedigree as a former five star guy, why people thought that they could really improve the downfield passing game this year, um, even with the new starting quarterback. And that's kind of borne out, you know. I think Eason made a, a nice easy throw to him up the seam for a forty seven yard touchdown early in their their game against Hawaii, and um, he's had a couple of other really big chunk plays. He's a guy that the defense has to be aware of, you know, on every single down. And when you're getting that from one of your starting tight ends, um, you know, I think that helps stretch the field a little bit. So I would expect Jacob Eason to, to continue to look to him quite a bit. Christian Capel joining us, Washington Huskies writer for The Athletic. Is it as simple as the Huskies would be 3-0 right now if they had just been better in the red zone against Cal? Yeah, it sure seems that way. And it's interesting because the red zone was a big time issue for them last year. I mean, I think they scored touchdowns only on like 58% of their trips, which was really bad. I mean, nationally that ranked near the bottom. Um, and there was, you couldn't really identify one issue. I mean, they would have, they'd get it, they'd get down there, they'd move the ball, they'd be putting together a nice drive and they'd have a holding penalty. They would back them up and set them behind the chains and, they'd have to kind of scramble to, to settle for a field goal. And against Cal, you know, it really wasn't like they'd get down there and, and just try to run the ball three times and get stuffed and, you know, oh, well, they get down there and, and it's it's third and goal and they've got an easy touchdown throw from Eason to Andre Bocelli on a scramble drill, but Bocelli just doesn't keep his foot down in the end zone against the sideline and lands out of bounds, so they got to settle for three. And then they've got a fourth and one at the two-yard line and they had success all day in, in um, you know, third and fourth and short situations. And um, a, a tight end moves and gets a false start penalty. So they got to settle for a field goal there and had a bunch of drop passes. And, yeah, it was just, I think, you know, any game you lose by one point, I mean, you can go back and find one or two or three or four plays where off oh, this had gone different or that had gone different. But it sure felt like in that game and in the red zone in particular, there were multiple tangible solid examples of like if this receiver gets his foot down this is a totally different game if this guy doesn't jump here on fourth and one this is a totally different game so i think they really felt like their errors coming out of that game were self-inflicted so cal doesn't have a potent offense and then the other teams that they played i don't know that they're fair judgment of talent regarding uh the washington defense I'm wondering, since they we know that they had the nine starters that they need to replace, and I know Miles Bryant is a, is a, another one of these great defensive backs that's going to probably play in the NFL. But how would you evaluate them defensively so far? Yeah, I think that the real disappointing thing for them coming out of the Cal game was just how poorly they tackled. And you know, Jimmy Lake, the defensive coordinator, would 
would point out probably that that wasn't a, a game long issue necessarily, but there were two touchdown drives, but the only two touchdowns that Cal scored, both in the third quarter on consecutive possessions, where it just seemed like their running backs were were bouncing off every arm tackle attempt that, that the Huskies defense threw at them and and spinning out of spinning out of tackles and guys not wrapping up and. Um, you know, you saw, I think you saw some of the youth show up. You know, they've got some young guys um, playing at the outside linebacker position, and, and there were maybe some, some contained busts that you don't normally see from this defense. Um, you know, they're, they're not real deep or experienced at linebacker. They, they are starting two seniors up the middle there, but they're full-time starters for the first time, and um, you know they're they're rotating in a couple of redshirt freshmen behind those guys, who I think fans are are kind of wanting to see more of as those guys get more and more experience under their belt. And so you know I, I think you're you've maybe seen guys get out of their gaps or, or not fit the run uh, totally perfectly more often than last year. I, I think it was easy to take for granted with a guy like Ben Burkirvan at linebacker that he was just going to clean everything up. I and mean, he made so many tackles, and I think he was able to kind of mask. The, the few issues that they did have. And, and so now you take that guy out of the equation, and I think people are seeing kind of just how valuable he was at that inside linebacker spot. So, um, you know, they, they still haven't allowed more than 20 points in a game, which I, I don't think is, is anything to complain about. Um, the third quarter has been an issue coming out of the locker room. You know, Hawaii went right down and, and scored a couple touchdowns on consecutive possessions on them, and just, just like Cal did the week before. So, uh, you know, I don't know if – if that's a major concern for them yet or, or what, or if there's just adjustments they're not catching up to, or if there are things that, you know, they're, they're trying that, that aren't working or, or kind of what the deal is. But I, I think if you're looking for, for flaws defensively so far, that third quarter would be one that shows up for a lot of people. Christian Capel, Washington Huskies writer for The Athletic, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You know, going back to that whole rebuild, reload thing, they had eight guys drafted. Two of them were corners. Did they at least reload a corner? Or are they a vul- little vulnerable there? Is there somebody capable of giving up a big play? Could BYU maybe exploit that? I think that they they still feel really good about how talented their secondary is just because they've recruited that position so well. Um, you know, they are starting a redshirt freshman at corner in, in Kyler Gordon, who he maybe got picked on a little bit against Cal, but um, yeah, I think he's he's still obviously very talented and, and still a guy who they think has a very bright future in front of him. He's he's the best athlete on the team, and you know had a, a forty-plus inch vertical leap at their team combine, and is you know very fast, very quick feet, very athletic. So um, you know, I, I think he's just he's one of those guys like um, you know like Cam Williams, who's a true freshman that they're starting at safety, um, who. They expect to get better as the season goes along, but early on, there's going to be some growing pains, and, and yeah, there's there's going to be some imperfection, and there's going to be probably a, a couple opportunities for opponents. But um, you know, the other the other starting corner is a junior named Keith Taylor, who I think probably would have started on most other defenses in the conference last year. A guy they've really liked for a long time. I, you know, I think he's probably next in line for in, in the, the NFL cornerback uh, machine that Jimmy Lake is putting together here. So, um, you know, and Elijah Molden, another junior who's played a lot but is, is a full-time starter for the first time. He's at nickel, and they've moved Miles Bryant. Obviously, they're their one senior back to safety. So um, they, they've got a, an interesting mix of, of youth and experience there. 
uh, along with with the one veteran Miles Bryant, who's played a bunch. So, um, you know, I, I think as they continue to gel and they continue to grow, there might be some some growing pains, sort of like you saw a little bit in the 2014 season when you know really really talented group of players like Buda Baker and Sidney Jones and Kevin King kind of took their lumps a little bit early on, but by the end of the year, you could see that that was going to be a really great defense. Yeah, I could, I could maybe see a, a few games where it goes that way this year. So, Eason, the quarterback, he basically hasn't played for two years, if you look at it, with uh, not much and 17 and then redshirting and all that. And so now he's in there, and he didn't play well against Cal, at least statistically anyway. As much as I can remember, I kept falling asleep during the game. It was on so late. Uh, what What is his progression to where he's people thought he would be at this point and is he there i would say he's a little bit ahead of where the cautiously optimistic fans probably thought he'd be by now and i thought he'd be i thought they'd be playing a little bit more safe with him and maybe be relying on the quick game a little more and limiting the deep shots downfield and limiting decision making but um you know they've they've opened things up some yeah, the Cal game is a little bit of a different story. That's obviously a really, really tough defense, and especially in the back end, that's not a secondary you want to just be, you know, pushing the ball thirty yards downfield every play against. Um, I think fans were a little frustrated that they they didn't take more chances in that game, that they weren't a little bit more aggressive with their play calling. But against Hawaii, against Eastern Washington, I mean, you you've seen exactly why everybody was excited about Jacob Eason, and the first thing you notice is the arm strength. And, you know, that's not just, oh, he, he can he can throw it 70 yards in the air on these go balls instead of 55 or whatever. It's, oh, he can fit this 15-yard this out, you know, into a mailbox, and he can put it right on the receiver before the DB even has a chance to react. And the ball gets to the receiver in time for him to gather it, collect himself, and look upfield before the DB is on him already. And, um, you know, he had a, a 37-yard touchdown pass to Aaron Fuller, uh, against Hawaii with one-on-one coverage, just Fuller just kind of running uh, along the, the middle of the end zone there, and he he put it in a spot where only he could get it, and he really wasn't all that wide open. And you know, I, I don't know that there's another quarterback they've had who could make that pass without the defender being able to cut it off and and get an interception. So there's just been a handful of throws like that where you're like, okay, yeah, this this guy's different. This guy gives the offense a little bit of a different look. He he can just he can make some things happen with his arm that you you just don't see from a lot of guys in college football. Okay, so he's got all the physical tools. Uh, BYU dropped eight against USC and was able to come up with three interceptions. Do you think they can do something like that, confuse him with zone blitzes, drop eight, or uh, has he got all that stuff wired? I think he is the kind of guy who is going to struggle if you can get pressure on him, which is kind of no duh. I don't know that there's any quarterback who – doesn't struggle when when he's faced with a, with consistent pressure, but um, you know he's. I think his escapability is a little better than you might assume, but he's still not the most mobile guy. Um, so if he's having to move out of the pocket, or if, if he can't set his feet and go through his progressions and go through his reads, um, I think he's going to have a hard time kind of you know creating things outside the pocket. Uh, and you saw that a little bit against Cal. I think he was he was sacked three times in that game and pressured a bunch and um you know i i I just think that uh washington's receiver core right now isn't to the point where you can rely on them to get early easy separation 
against physical defensive backs and, and you know, create situations where they're, they're open so early in the play that it's, it's just an easy read for him and, and he can make the throw before the pressure gets there. So I, I just think uh, teams that can, can confuse them with blitzes or even just push the pocket with, with four guys um, are going to have a lot more success probably than the teams that try to drop a bunch into coverage. Um, but, you know, they, they haven't really seen that yet. So it would be interesting, you know, what the answers would be or what sort of options the coaches would try to give him against a team that tries to just load that second level and, and make things difficult that way. Well, speaking of receivers, uh, Utah's own Pukunuku, every time he catches a ball, it's a touchdown. <laughs> That's right. One, <laughs> yeah, one for one. Um, boy, you talk about a guy that UW fans are just clamoring to see more. And it's been that way from day one. And, you know, Chris Peterson, I think before the season even started, you could tell a little bit just from some of the run he was getting in fall camp, made it clear that, yeah, this is a guy who's probably not going to redshirt. And with that sort of being known, I think people were a little bit frustrated how little he played in their first two games, especially with the way that some of the the starting receivers were dropping the ball against California. You know, this is a guy who's, who's a little bit taller, a little bit more physical, kind of has that catch radius you know obviously everybody's seen his high school film and just the crazy numbers he put up down there and and um just his ability to go up and get the ball attack the ball high point the ball make plays i mean that's exactly the kind of player that this receiver core has really been lacking the last couple years and so i I think especially especially now especially coming off the cal game and then you, you add in the the fact that yeah he's he got a touchdown pass literally the only time he's been targeted in his career I think people are, are really eager to see more of him. And Chris Peterson has, has made pretty clear, too, that they plan on getting him in the games more. Um, you know, for a true freshman, I think it's just a matter of picking up the offense and understanding your blocking assignments and knowing exactly where you're supposed to be on every play and what your job is and all those things. And I think that the more he progresses that way, the more they're going to have to put him on the field because uh, he's just he's, he's a natural playmaker. He's a guy who's going to make things happen when the ball's in the air. So... Um, I don't think they can afford to leave him on the sidelines for too much longer. Well, Christian, uh, we appreciate a few minutes. You want to make a pick for the game, or is that not the kind of thing you do? Uh, I I don't mind. I haven't really thought about it yet. I might have to get back to you on that one. (laughs) Okay. All right, Christian Capel, Washington Huskies writer for The Athletic. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I'm going BYU. Are you really? You better believe I am. I don't believe you. Well, you better believe I am. I just said that. Yeah, but you said it in a tone. I'm going BYU. <laughs> That's the same tone. It's just higher pitch. I'm going BYU. And this is. <laughs> I'm going BYU. <laughs> Never mind. How? What can I do to make you believe me? Uh, that might be the problem right there. No matter what tone you use, what do I, I got to do to make you, you love me? <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up, your feedback. We will get to that next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. 
This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. There were a lot of players who had really good moments in that game. You know, Wilson was a stud. Tyson Williams is coming into form. But to me, I was blown away by the overall dominating nature of Kairos Tonga in that game. Like, he was a man among boys. And you take a four or five star center, and he was getting walked in that backfield time and time again. I hope somebody in Legends Hall has a horse tenderloin on the grill for Mr. Tonga because he earned it. What is this, Mr. Chef? This is the third day of the week. <laughs> well, this is shredded horse. Yesterday was horse roast. Yeah, but I wasn't really sure about the horse brisket. Well, tomorrow we're having a horse rump, so get used to it. Kairos likes it. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I cut my cable and I'm now with YouTube TV, but there's no way for me to stream a jazz game. Unfortunately, I can't get a Pac-12 game either. There's other means, but it's the way of the future, though. I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves with playoff talk. As a Ute fan, I'm pretty sure we're going to lose this week, and I'm pretty sure we're going to lose at Washington, and we'll drop one more. If we get to the Pac-12 championship game, I think it will be a success. Feedback from you today. You the people. You the downer people. A little bit. Hey, but if that's the truth, that's what you wanted. You were talking about earlier oh, in the okay, show. Okay, but do your thing, and then I'll reboot that. Feedback of the day brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only three fifty nine per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State Street or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. I don't think they're assured of losing any game. Now, I will probably pick them most every game, if not all, but I also at the same time don't think they're going to go 9-0. and zero. I agree with you. I don't think they're going nine and zero. And I agree with you that there's no one game where I can circle and say, "Man, you're in a lot of trouble here." Yeah. Utah State. I look at that LSU game, and I think they are in a lot of trouble there. And at the start of the year, I circled Washington and Utah as the two games for BYU, where I thought they were in a lot of trouble. But right now, with the Utes, if I told you that they were going to split with the Washington schools and drop one game to Cal, ASU, or USC. And win everything else and go 10 and 2. And that is basically how I came up with 10 and 2 as my preseason prediction for the Utes. You've seen three games now. What do you think? Uh, sure, it's possible. Yeah, I would, I would lean towards one loss. You think 11 and 1 is more likely than 10 and 2 right now? Right now? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, talk to me Saturday morning, but right now, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's right now based on what I've seen. Yes. Yes, I do, because I don't think Washington is as good. I don't uh, think right. SC is as good. I think the Devils can play him tough, but I just don't think there's enough offense. And so I have. So that you're, you're as kind of looking at Washington State as the toughest game in the schedule right now. Not that it's the absolute well, loss or where no, the loss no, would come. I see why you would say that, but I look. You picked out because I didn't say Washington State. I see Washington State being what I expected them to be. Mm-hmm. So that's why I didn't say I went with the teams that I didn't think were as good as right. I thought. So because I think USC is basically who I thought they were. Uh, at the once start of Daniels the went down, that was a whole. Oh, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Right, absolutely. I didn't yeah. see. I didn't know they'd be starting the freshman quarterback now. But I think at the level he's played at, they can still be about the sure, team. Sure, but that I thought. And I but get, I think Daniels would be an adva- he would still be better right now. Yeah, certainly we can look at his experience and say that would be a plus. Cuz he came right. out against Fresno and was looking gangbusters right from the start. He was. So they had a good first half. He went down late second quarter. Yeah, so I think they they've taken a step back in my mind. Now this kid 
can come out Friday night and be like he was against Stanford, but I don't think so because the opposition is going to be likely the toughest one that he faces, and they they play a really good schedule. So with that in mind, we'll have to see if he if 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 he looks really good and they win, then I'm changing what I just said, and that's the hey, nature of this conference new, too. New information, new opinion, and I've got to give him room to develop. I mean, he's only played two games basically. Sure. I mean, two and a half, but uh, you know the the first game. Uh, but now going into this one, this is his toughest test, and he looked good sometimes against the Cougars, but not all the time. Now well, it's up to those coaches to get him better. Right. And what's his learning curve going to look like and how quickly is he going to adapt and all that stuff. All right, uh, other feedback here. Uh, what we did hear from the guy who said streaming is the wave of the future, we brought up uh, BYU and Toledo on ESPN+. Phil says, four straight weeks in primetime on ESPN and ABC spots. Hey, ESPN giveth and ESPN taketh away. <clears throat> Well, they don't control that game either. You know, that's not a that, home game. That's the Mac TV deal. Yeah, right. So that's out of their hands. They put one game on ESPNU and they picked a conference game, and everything else goes to ESPN Plus. That's kind of how it works for the Mac. The Utes were fortunate when they went back and played Northern Illinois last year. That turned out to be the ESPNU game. They weren't, you know, they weren't that far away from oh, them. Oh, the Utes say ain't no Pac-12 team playing on ESPN. What you call it? Come on. Will you pay for ESPN Plus so you can watch BYU at Toledo? We got more than 500 votes. 59% of the people say no. 20% yes, and 15% already have it. ESPN probably likes those numbers. We've already got some, and we're about to get some more. And what's in ESPN Plus is getting 6%. It's a streaming option, people. The future. But how far in the future? Well, we'll debate that another day. We'll be back tomorrow, 6 to 10. We will see you then. Tony and Austin are coming up next.